Good evening, everybody. Episode 26 of a brand new year, 2020, year of getting your life into clear vision and focus. I am so excited to start this brand new year with conversations with an extraordinary person, someone I was blessed to have as a teacher myself. And get to share with all of you guys now, Mike Spatola. And we're going to talk tonight about Carpe Diem in January and the Manifesting with the Magical Guide to Bliss and Dreams Realized Through the Curious Mind. So I'm going to let things start on Facebook Live, make sure that we're on and make sure everything is going as accordingly planned because we had a couple blips before, but I think we're going to be fine. Um, and let's see how this goes. I'm going to make sure we'll give everybody some time to sign in. And, and and away we go. So let's see this. I am going to make sure that it is showing up on my page, which I know it will. And there we are. So are you ready, Mike Spatola, for this incredible, scintillating, as I pointed out before, conversation? <laughs> I am all set. Ready to go. I don't know how long it's been that I have gotten to have an opportunity to talk to you in person. Certainly, I love Facebook for the opportunity to talk to you over social media, which is a blessing of social media. I think that everyone complains about how bad it is, but how great it is is to connect with those people that have influenced your life before. And I think that for certain in my life, you certainly are one of those incredible influences that have you know catapulted my dreams to where I am today. Um, some would argue that I'm in flux, but I would say that I'm definitely on a trajectory that I'm really proud of. So thank you so much for for you know volunteering. Or I actually, I know after I asked you, you basically <laughs> agreed to be on there because I think this is going to be an incredible conversation, especially on Little Christmas, a gift to all who are going to check in and listen, and for certain um, for me. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your night and your schedule and everything to be with Facebook, um, the Facebook community, my community, and and whoever else is jumping on board tonight. So thank you so much. Hey, it's a thrill for me too, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy that we figured out the technological. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me the happiest. Nobody knows like that little endorphin kick when it all is actually coming together and starting off. So I want to say once again, thank you. No, no, no fault. I have to here. own that. <laughs> no fault here. Let me tell you, it's all a part of the process. So <laughs> as we go forward, this is all a part of the process. So I do want to introduce you because your resume is amazing and certainly not to um, suggest or even introduce you in this capacity. It would do this whole conversation of disjustice. So I want to start off by saying this is Mike Spatola. For all of you out there who was who benefited from an education where he challenged your mind and, and forced you to critically think about the world around you. I'm so excited to have him here tonight. And his story is even more profound because a lot of people impacted his life so that he could get to where he is on this journey. And I know there's so much more still going to come for him. I can just see it. I told him after this, he's gonna be on Facebook Live all the time. So just you wait and see. <laughs> So before we do go on, I do want you to choose a number. As I said, it's very intentional, these conversations. And I'd like you to set your intention before we even start. So go ahead and set your intention and then choose a number. And at the end of the interview, we'll come back to you and you'll actually get to um, see what you chose according to the book. So I'm all set. 
All right. So let me introduce Mike Spatola, everybody. When Mike, when Mike was in school, in high school, he dreamed of being a teacher. So I guess this is about always knowing what you wanted to do, but not even a teacher. He was also a coach. In college, he left his basketball practices actually to transcribe drills and plays, envisioning how he would coach one day. And he credits his teachers and coaches for the influence that they had on his life that allowed him to enter the field of education, which is so important especially nowadays that we get good teachers and those teachers that influence others to want to actually educate others as well. So the influence they had was transformative, as he indicated. His college professors then sparked his passion for political science and history, which in turn was what he taught me, 20th century, <laughs> and also um, and what she became uh, an expert on over the years. So I would love to know what you think about today's day. And <laughs> I don't know if we'll even go there because I like to keep these on the mountain. So, you know, we want to stay positive. We have to stay positive. Yes, it's all about optimism and positive today with regards to manifesting. So for sure. Um, so his teachers were mentally influential in his life and his unceasing love of his family also was something that catapulted him to ignite a career that lasted 41 years, glorious years, he says, that spanned five states and six different schools. So for those of you who did start off at Trinity Prep with, with Mike, he was actually initially hired by Trinity Prep as his first school in Winter Park. And that's where I had the pleasure of getting to know him as a teacher. He spent 10 years at Trinity and then concluded his career retired in 2018 recently, um, spending 11 years at Durham Academy, Durham Academy in Durham, North Carolina. So in between, he did stints at Lake Howell High School in Florida and Lawrence Academy is a boarding school in Massachusetts. And I'm happy to say he is wearing the Boston College sweatshirt tonight. That's for my sisters. So they have a, a look <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plug Notre Dame for sure. So anyway. And, and he did also teach at um, St. John the Baptist Diocesan High School, his alma mater, and Friends Academy, both in New York. Over the course of the 41 years, he earned several noteworthy recognitions for teaching and coaching. He was the Teacher of the Year at Trinity Prep, awarded a faculty chair in history, and voted ISL Boys Basketball Coach of the Year while at Lawrence Academy. He was voted Convention Speaker twice at Friends Academy, received Durham Academy's prestigious F. Robertson Hershey Distinguished Faculty Award, and recently he was inducted into the Trinity Prep School's Athletic Hall of Fame. Mike cites two mottos, and I do love this. This is wonderful. So if you're listening and you're taking any notes, I really, really want to share. make sure you, you take note of this. He has two mottos that served as motivational forces during his career. Author and historian Henry Adams once said, a teacher affects eternity. He can never tell where his influence stops. In 1980, at a turning point in Mike's career, Former legendary UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden, which many of you I sure know, wrote in a letter, no spoken word, no oral plea can teach our youth what they should be, nor all the books on all the shelves, it's what the teachers are themselves. And then Coach Wooden closed that letter with he answers prayers, which I think is amazing. So I can't imagine starting off this new year any better and this new decade off right than to have a conversation with Mike Spatola. How are you tonight? I am great, psyched, pumped, fired up to have this conversation. Amazing, amazing. You know, I keep wanting to say Mr. Spatola because I feel like I need to respect you, but it's such a nice thing to have a different Please. kind of relationship for sure. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm not a 15-year-old anymore, so it's very good to have this awesome, 
you know, um, great conversation, like I said, with you tonight. So thank you so much for joining. I, I, I do want, I know I did tell everybody your bio, but I do want you to tell a little bit about your story and how you arrived at this place in your life where you're actually experiencing res the results of a 41 year outstanding recognized career by your peers as well as your students. And then what continues to guide you on your journey now? Well, th thank you for the opportunity to share, uh, share this background information. Um, my journey, is, as you noted, actually began in high school. And I, I want to think it possibly began even a little bit earlier than that. Um, maybe not as early as grade school, but certainly the junior high years. And then into high school. <clears throat> um, I just developed a goal to become a teacher and a coach. Yeah. Today, we might use the expression or the phraseology, pay it forward. Mm -hmm. uh, because my experience had been so positive and so productive uh, working with and associating with uh, the teachers and coaches with whom I was blessed to have uh, monitoring my growth and development. Um, the, the other thing is, and, and sometimes this is overlooked, besides the, the teachers and the coaches who played a powerful role in my development, <clears throat> I just flat out loved school. Hmm. Uh, now, I, I, I will add, and this might be a shock to uh, <clears throat> many of the students who had me, who are viewing this conversation <laughs> and this program. I was not a stellar student, <clears throat> um, but I did love, absolutely adore, the energy and the buzz that existed in the school building and in the classrooms. Mm. And then, of course, if you combine that with the role teachers and coaches were playing, my absolute love of going to school every day um, and enjoying every bit of it while not being necessarily a stellar student mm -hmm. um, my, and my love of sports, uh, it, it made the goal to go into education a, a fairly, actually a fairly easy one for me. Um, and then of course, as I was going through high school and then through college, particularly with regard to basketball, I was in fact transcribing things that occurred during the day. Um, the other thing is, when I was in high school at St. John the Baptist, uh, which is my alma mater, I, I just saw teachers, uh, male, female teachers, lay people, and also the nuns. I'll throw them in there as well, the Dominican nuns and the Franciscan nuns. They loved teaching. And so th their influence was enormous. I, I, I mean, I can't even repay uh, the influence that those folks had on me. Um, I also had, uh, in terms of the process, an abiding belief in can do and an unceasing willingness to run the marathon. In other words, I knew that with a political science degree <clears throat> and also a, a minor in American history, that it might be very difficult for me uh, because of the licensing and, and being certified within various states, that it might be difficult to to become a teacher or to land my first teaching job, if you will. So I just had this, I, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Be patient. Patience certainly was a virtue. Um, and I just refused to be put in the category of should have. Oh, I'd rather be put in the category of could have. Now, 
For those who don't know the distinction or what I mean by should have versus could have, I can sum it up this way. Um, and I recently had an opportunity to Florida Southern College basketball reunion. Uh, coach Donnelly, the, the men's basketball coach, invited me to speak to the basketball team after a practice. And I spoke about this in terms of uh, their season and their careers. So should have versus could have. And I never wanted to fall into that should have category or be labeled that way. Could have is, is simply this. <clears throat> um, I could have been a great basketball player if I was six foot four, a lot quicker on my feet, had much better natural ball handling skills. Um, I had control over that or no control over my size and my quickness, but I worked my tail off to be as good as I could possibly be under the circumstances. Um, the should have been category is I was and am six foot four. I didn't put in the time or the effort. Ah. And so you never want to be in the should have category. So in terms of my uh, desire to be a teacher uh, yeah. and to coach, um, I was going to go to any extent or length, which meant attending UCF, um, on a part-time basis while I was teaching at Trinity Prep and even beforehand taking some courses uh, while I was out of the teaching so that I could in fact work towards a certificate in the state of Florida. So that, that's, a, that's essentially it. Um, I've always wanted to do this or do that and, um, and my dreams were fulfilled. Uh, I, 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 I just believe that you can realize those goals if you persist, you're resilient, you're patient, and you have a lot of help along the way. Well, I think that one thing that I do recall with regard to you specifically is your passion. Like literally, your energy was aligned with your passion for teaching. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't how history was, just reading out of a book, the droning on and on. It was history come to life. And I think that anybody who is a student of yours will concur with the fact that, first of all, you better be ready to go to class. <laughs> you definitely don't want to show up unprepared for sure. Cause you weren't having it. We're, that is one thing that we, I remember myself and my, um, Alicia Elsky would sit hours. Like we have to get to know this. We have to know this because Lord only knows because, but the thing is the fact is that you had so much passion for what you were doing and what you were teaching that regardless of whether we even enjoyed it or not, we wanted to come prepared. So I think that that's a beautiful gift of a teacher for sure. And it certainly, I think that it's going to continue as a part of your journey, the passion, because I can see how you are engaging even on a social media platform at this point where you, you know, bring to light certain characters of history that have impacted you and that you want to engage or at least introduce to people who might not be aware of them, which is a teacher's job, right? To yes. inspire the curious mind. And that is what you're doing. You, 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 you have to ignite the spark in order to grab hold. I, I always used to say that not necessarily to students, uh, but that if I needed to, I'd get up on the table <laughs> and dance to bring to life what, or to energize the room if, if necessary. Of course, the only thing I would add is that, uh, particularly when you make reference to Alicia and, your, and yourself in 20th century American history, <laughs> there are probably hundreds who are now, well, not necessarily hundreds right now, but there are probably out there hundreds who are saying, 
Well, he just said that he was not stellar in the classroom, and yet we, we, the demands and the requirements on us, it, you know, the, the two ways, it's the two way street here, and uh, you can't have it both ways, but in any event. This is what you're speaking to before about the influence of a good teacher, regardless of what your capacity was at the time. When you be if someone believes in your abilities, then you rise to the challenge, and I think that's what you did. So it's not really hypocritical to have <laughs> you know to force somebody to show up, you know, because you know the process, and when you you see the spark go off in a mind, it's a different experience altogether. And I can imagine that's the thing that teachers are looking for, right? Oh, once you see that, once you cast the line and once the hook is there, yeah. you, you run with it. And it makes all all the work and all the frustrations and you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just great. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, you know, I want to continue because I know that you just recently retired after 41 years and I know that leaving something that you love to do and having my, resigned myself after 20 is like leaving something that you, you really love and it's been a part of your life for so long behind, you know, how does it feel for you, you know, stepping into this new chapter of your life, you know, like all these opportunities that are about to unfold yet, you know, having to say goodbye to at least that chapter? Uh, well, I'd be less than forthright if I didn't say to you, I felt and feel really good, actually, about, <laughs> about retiring. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I would also like to add that those who know me well, whether they be family or friends, and I, I'm sure some of my uh, colleagues at Durham Academy, with whom I became very close, I, I, whether they expressed this to me directly or not, they were deeply concerned about my retiring <laughs> um, because so much of my life for 41 years, in, including a large amount during summers, uh, was devoted to teaching and coaching. and. The, the feeling was that without that, I would not know what to do with myself. And um, and th and that's just not that has not come to fruition, thankfully. Um, so I feel really good about it. it. It was time. And thankfully, I was able to go out or to retire on my own terms. Um, now let me just add this as an aside, um, because I, I, I don't take retiring lightly. Uh, particularly when, as my former head at Durham Academy, when I told him that I was not thinking about it, but going to retire at the end of the, the school year in 2018, I think, I think Michael almost hit the floor because he, he looked at me and he said, there's a pool of people on this faculty I would put in the category of retiring and retiring soon. You are not, not one of them. Um, you have the energy and enthusiasm of a 24-year-old, um, not knowing how old you are, but <laughs> you do. And so I'm, I'm like shocked. And so I'll share with you briefly what I shared with him. Um, I gave it a lot of thought because I, I knew the risk involved in retiring. Um, there are certainly a lot of positives, but there are potentially the negatives too. And I just noted some that family and friends were concerned about. Um, in, in my process of thinking, I thought about um, situations that might be analogous to my career um, in their respective careers. Uh, so, for example, uh, now your dad will remember 
a football player by the name of Jim Brown. Jim Brown was a running back for the Cleveland Browns back in the 60s. Uh, he's actually originally from uh, Manhasset, New York. He was a stellar football player and lacrosse player at Manhasset High School out on Long Island. But in any event, uh, Jim Brown retired at a point in his career where, Meg, he was by far and away the best running back in the National Football League. Okay. And I would venture to say um, that he probably had another five to, well, uh, let's just say another five great years uh, playing in the NFL. Jim Brown retired at the peak of his career. Now, here's another thing about Jim Brown, which is admirable. Um, Jim Brown, when he retired, in the midst of all the criticism of sports fanatics like me who wanted Jim Brown to continue to play, and that's back when the Cleveland Browns, incidentally, were good. They're not very good now. Um, Jim Brown actually became an actor. An actor. Into acting. Now, okay, he was a C at best actor. But to think that he would take the risk and then endeavor to go into another profession and career is, is I think, noteworthy and, and admirable. Yeah. So I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Jim Brown. He's at the peak of his career. And I'm not saying necessarily that I reached my peak, although intrinsically I thought that I might be close to it. Yeah. He went out on his own terms. Another NFL player by the name of Barry Sanders, who was another great running back, another top 100 NFL football player for the Detroit Lions, did the same exact thing. And so they, 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 they were criticized for that by those of us who wanted to uh, revel in their greatness as football players. So there were two at the peak, and, and I, I could relate to that. Then on the other hand, uh, my Facebook friends, family, and, and whatnot will know that Willie Mays is by far and away my favorite, favorite sports hero um, as a kid growing up and even to this very day. Well, Willie Mays is on the opposite side of the spectrum here with regard to this. Uh, had a stellar career with the New York and San Francisco Giants, gets traded to the New York Mets. Now, there's something that was nice about that, ending his career in New York. But at that point, my hero, I, I felt sympathy and, and not that Willie needs my sympathy, compassion or pity. But Willie Mays was falling down in the outfield and had, had gone too far. Um, and now to the colleagues to whom I, we were alluding, I was alluding to and, and we were mentioning earlier. Some of them, my colleagues, now six schools. Yeah. So I was in six schools where faculty thought about retiring or did retire or were not retiring. Maybe should have. Um, <laughs> if I may, I will describe it this way. There were faculty members with whom I worked, they'll remain anonymous, who lost their fastballs. Um, and so what they started to do was just started throwing curveballs and, uh, and, and dinking and dumping. And, um, and I saw them sort of at the end of their careers becoming cynical and then critical. Huh. And I didn't want a Willie Mays situation. I didn't want to be a colleague who students were walking out of the classroom saying, you know, he lost, he lost a little bit on a basketball or for parents. Because like, like most people, like a Willie Mays and others, how many do we know in other professions? Yeah. They stay too long. Yeah. You can't stay that long. So you have to know when it's time. And, and that's why I said um, I'm okay with it. There's one last thing about that. Um, I had the privilege, uh, the year I was retiring, uh, 
to deliver the uh, key, what I'll call the keynote address at the at the senior uh, dinner uh, assembly. And it was on a Thursday night. The seniors were graduating on a Friday afternoon, and I was asked by the senior class to deliver the keynote address, and um, and so and and so I did. And I would like to make the distinction between joy and happiness. Now I knew going into this uh, address that I was going to have. I was going to experience a range of emotions, um, and those emotions would include: Have I made the right decision? Because I've already announced my retirement, or do I want to come back? Uh, you, you can only imagine this is a, mo a last moment for me too, because I'm graduating with this class. Right. Oh, I love that though. <laughs> so, so um, I heard David Brooks. Uh, noteworthy author and columnist uh, the other day describe uh, a situation that he experienced with his kids between the joys he experienced and the happiness that, that he was observing them have. And, and I, and I, I can attribute his, to my situation that night. And, and so here it is briefly. So I get out there, I get up there at the podium. And so I'm scanning the crowd and it, it, it's a thrill but I'm a little anxious. I'm a little nervous because of what might transpire um, as I go through this presentation, which incidentally, I was told I only had 10 minutes. And I, I looked at the I looked at the administrator. Told me I, I said, 10 minutes. I've waited 41 years to do this. You're not putting a time limit on this. Well, it lasted, I think, about 18 minutes. So I'm up there and I'm looking out at the audience, all of the seniors. Um, and there are probably about 100, 105 of them and their families. And they are so happy. You can just see the happiness. Four years of hard work at a school like Trinity Prep or Durham Academy. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've earned the right to be happy. Well, my feeling was one of joy. Um, as I looked out at them, I just had this incredible sense of satisfaction, contentment, and joy wow. Wow. that I had reached a point where I probably, for those moments where I sensed that joy in what I had done with that class and at Durham Academy, and then over the course of the other 30 or so, I right. said, I don't think it can get any better than this. And I made the right decision. And so it was sort of, again, on my terms, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, I, I, ha I, I have to mention the incredible synchronicity that the kid who didn't have the greatest grades basically got to make his valedictorian address on the 41st year of his teaching a creative assignment. So, so I think that's fantastic. And the fact that you said graduating, you do graduate when you move on to the next part you of your, your life. So, you, you know, graduate in Latin or Italian yeah. or whatever you want is to take the next step, right? So take right. the next step. And we're all making these steps toward a greater enlightenment. So like you said, if you're not throwing fastballs anymore and you have no desire to throw fastballs anymore, you're, you're possibly throwing curveballs, if that, you know, or just like basically hanging it up until you're ready to go, you know, then you're doing yourself a disservice because Absolutely. everybody needs to have that next step because we're not here to take up space. We're here to be curious as we're discussing today. 
Right. And I think that, you know, it goes to the next step, you know, for your legacy building now and and how how you're saying that you feel joy in your decision. And, and certainly you can tell from your pictures you have joy with your family. Clearly, the joy is palpable even via pictures. You know, I, I, I definitely want to, you know, engage with you. How does the love of learning things and this whole idea of becoming a motivational speaker, perhaps educational consultant, tie into this next chapter? And what kind of, you know, inspiration or advice do you have for other people who are where, you know, you were making that decision and where you are now that you have the opportunities to do the next thing? Well, I, I've, there are several things that I've pondered. Of course, it's just a year and a half in. and. You know, I'm knocking on wood, thanking the good Lord that I'm at a point where 65, very close to 66, is now what, the new 45? I want it to be the new 50. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have my health. And so I have yeah. the opportunity to maybe not make a, a rash, quick judgment and decision as to what the next stage of step would be. And I don't want to take the time I have for granted. Um, I, I used to joke with, with some students and say, when we'd be talking about maybe long-term goals or short-term goals, and they'd say, well, you know, 20 years from now, I want to be. And I'd say, well, I, I really, I, I don't know how many 10 more years I have left. So therefore, I, not to make light of that, but life is so precious yeah. and while i have my health i want to make sure that the next step and and i once i dive in meg it like i'm diving in the whole way so i i don't want to do something that is merely part time or i can't be there when necessary or needed so but there there are several things i've thought about for example um i i i get teased in some quarters of my family about my Facebook usage. Ah. Um, well, Facebook actually initially for me was a, a forum by which or a platform by which I could reconnect with you, yeah. your sisters, uh, students I had at Trinity Prep, Lawrence Academy. Uh, the number of people I've been able to reconnect with is so, so gratifying. And it, it, it actually makes my day to be able to communicate with people on a day-to-day -day basis that that I had lost touch with and now I'm I'm in, in touch with again. And and I think that's an important thing to keep those relationships and connections alive. So it started out that way. And I think I've evolved um, over the time into providing posts that may address issues and things of a social nature, personal nature uh, that I care about. Um, our military personnel, combating addiction, uh, racism, the state of education. Yeah. But it also affords me the opportunity to, um, you know, quote you and the, the magical guide. Thank and you. I appreciate you that. Or post <laughs> <laughs> inspirational messages yeah. to, to be uplifting because that's essentially, people have done that for me. Um, and, and I want to, again, sort of pay that forward and, and do that as well. So, I, I, I look to do maybe not a bit more of that, but certainly to continue doing that. Uh, with regard to speaking and consulting, um, you know, I've thought about developing and conducting maybe workshops 
Uh, I've been encouraged to do that, doing lectures with Q&A types of sessions at school assemblies. Uh, the, the next part of the legacy, uh, you, you can relate to this. Um, I've always wanted to write. Um, awesome. Uh, writing is, I love writing, but writing for me is, is painstaking. Um, it, it's difficult, challenging. Uh, everything that I write goes through multiple, multiple edits because it has to be perfect. Um, the, the speech that I delivered, uh, this, at the senior dinner <laughs> in 2018, I can't tell you how many edits that went through. And I think it came off pretty, pretty well. But in, in any event, I've thought about doing that um, as a continuous learner and somebody who wants to acquire, secure additional knowledge, remain uh, a part of the learning community. I've actually thought about uh, pursuing a doctorate. Oh, wow. That's uh, well, awesome. Before, <laughs> before I uh, took the job at Durham Academy and was working in New York, I, I had actually started a doctorate in world history at St. John's University. Okay. Where I started my undergraduate work wow. in about 72. Wow. So I figured I, maybe I could go back yeah. um, and, and maybe get, but then I decided to take the job at Durham Academy, no regrets. Um, and I don't know whether I would, whether that's serious or on the docket, um, really because of the time, the cost. And I have too much, uh, too much else that like I want to conquer possibilities that yeah. are out there. And, and as you well know, to pursue an advanced degree, um, it, it would go to my love of being a student and learning. Yeah. Um, and making up for maybe those lost years many, many years ago. Um, but there are other things that I think would take priority right now. So, uh, but, but there are things on the horizon I'm thinking about and I'm, I'm sort of taking my time to just navigate all of this. And I think that's okay. You know, I think that the great thing about what you've said is that you have tremendous perspective because you're saying, like, I think, I think there's an incredible beauty of the whole generating of ideas, right? When you get that creative hit, you know, you write it down and put it on your list, right? right? It's still your list because as long as you say you have your health and you're willing to do, I mean, there's so many things that will give you that buzz that you loved in the educational field initially and that you find in life now, which is just the thing right people people have and i and i do say this because i think it's really important that people out there listen and hear uh, you might be at a place in your life where you might feel like what do i do next depressed perhaps you know isolated all of the same and you're like well there's nothing more for me what do i do next and the thing is what you just said is that you know you you move from one point of your life into this next one and you see so many incredible possibilities waiting for you from higher more higher education more, you know, experiences through motivational speaking, educational consulting, all these other things. And I think that just by, by virtue of having the idea, which I think is the beginning of amazing things, right? The imagination that leads to the reality. I think that you, you can go so far and there's nothing that will stop you except for yourself at this point. Right. You know, I, well, I, fit, well fit, if I can also interject, those yeah. are outstanding points and so true. Um, Anyone who's considering retirement, not that your followers are necessarily thinking about retirement, but for me, um, it's important. Two things are important. One is you need to remain physically active. Um, yeah. that's, that's certainly easy to do. For, for me, that's easy. 
uh, with family and grandkids in particular, yeah. you, the hustle and the bustle, you're always going. I, I do like to bike ride. I do like to walk and try to mix in a little bit of jogging there I like that you uh, when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so physically, I, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it, it's making sure that intellectually you are pursuing things, that, that, you, that you are feeding your mind. Um, because if, if you stop doing that, then you might as well just become a couch potato. Um, uh, I can do it physically, but if I'm not reading or researching or engaging with someone such as you, um, there's a loss there. And I I think that you just need to stay stimulated and engaged um, in both those realms and, and, and then things work out for the best. Oh, and I, I might as well, I'm going to show you this as well. I don't know whether you will see this. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, that's the other thing. I think when, when I've had students and parents at Durham Academy who want me to run for political office. Oh my God. Yeah, so that's another. <laughs> ah, that's good. I like that. Well, Meg, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the the the, the atmosphere and the setting, the civility that's got to improve, the tolerance and um, all well, of that. You know, they uh, always say a good teacher will step into the ring to stay authentic to the true self, integral integral to their character, right? That will bring the conversation to a different level, right? And I and I always say that, um, I don't know if, if maybe your initial teachers would have told you that, but you know, those that want things to change have to be those that set it in course in action. So I'm just That's saying, right. it might be a good idea. <laughs> I might be a good idea. You you definitely have your mind at a place where you know who you are and no one's going to try to encourage you otherwise, you know, and, and to play the game. Certainly you're, you're not, you're not new to it. So that's no. very interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll I, see. I, I'm sure that, that of course is money and time as well. Well, you know, I'm sure there'll be many people out there with like my 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 good friend Frank Daly says we need a good man into the ring, which I definitely would um, second with regard to you because you have the knowledge of history, which is very important because if you don't know history, well, the bad things right. will repeat themselves. Really with, well. You know, unfortunately, some people are not students of history and they will in fact not think that there are devils in the details. Right. So, you know, I, I, I definitely think that's a great idea. That's like the best thing I could hear on La Bafana. I can tell you that's a great gift. I don't know. But, but you know, it's all, you know, it's also funny. All, all those folks who are endorsing and offering money uh, to, to support my candidacy, <laughs> uh, I, I would say to them, well, you know, I'm appreciative and grateful, but y- y- you have no idea where I stand on any of the issues. And a lot of times they would simply say, it's not about that for, for whatever your position. Right. It's about getting character back character into back. governance. Yeah, I, I, I would second that. I think yeah, that, so. you know, it's interesting that, you know, when we have conversations with uh, a different uh, bent, let's say, um, where I open the space to have you and I share so that we get to a point of 
agreement from a, of unity from the division, then we're going somewhere. And unfortunately, that's not the tone that's being set. So I would say that your friends are onto something. That is definitely good news for sure. Um, well, you know, I, Meg, I don't want to be spitting against the wind or, no uh, wind the wind or <laughs> rowing against the current. <laughs> well, you know... You know I think that will be New York, I can get down and dirty too. Yeah, you know what? It's like don't don't take my weak don't take my kindness for weakness. Like don't do that. No. And no, I no, I say no. that as a lawyer. I'm like, listen, listen. I I I hear what you're saying, and you might think that you're on taking one on over me, but um, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no. So I understand what you're saying as well. You yeah. know, I I want to you know I want to go into you know that that intention and mantra with regard to, um, you know, this being, you said this morning, you wrote a, on one of the posts um, with Little Christmas. And I like the fact that, you know, this is the day of the three kings bring the gifts. So I like to say that what you just said now makes me very positive and optimistic for the future. <laughs> or like you are even considering you know, moving into something like that. I think that that's amazing. It's certainly going to be a, a, a an enlightenment challenge for you. You know, it would be definitely. And I, I don't know, is your wife on the same page? With that? Um, well, they, well, listen, um, I, I, I don't, I, I can't say enough about the support that I have received from my life partner, confidant, the love of my life. Um, you, 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 you know, based on your family and your upbringing, what a darn good marriage is, is built on. And, uh, you know, again, we've been blessed. And when you think, Meg, it's not the six schools, although some people would eyebrows are raised with six schools. It's the five states. Yes. <laughs> um, so how many times did I ask my wife, to put her trust and faith in my decision and my children when we started developing a family to yeah. do the same. <clears throat> so um, in, yeah. a, in any event. Um, you have a good woman by your side. I'll I, tell you that much. And yeah, she was, must be smart too, because my God, your children are running amazing things at this point. You know, you. Em is the smarter of the two. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I have to say that maybe one day I'll have her on my manifesting with Meg show. I, I, I will be very honest. I do like the idea of saying the future is female. I think we get more minds out there. We'll have a more of a balance. And certainly with people who have incredible character and with the energy that you have, you know, you know, coming to the table and having that incredible, you know, um, energy buzz, vibration, so to speak. So I would love to talk to her one of these days. <laughs> I would love it. She could tell you some stories. <laughs> oh, the stories, I as, as a writer, I live for the stories. Oh, my well, God. You, you know, when we when we left Florida and went to Massachusetts to the boarding school, Lawrence Academy, she, she packed up and went sight unseen. Wow. That's amazing. She, she <laughs> oh was God. given a floor plan to the... Uh, Wow. The, the dormitory and our apartment within the Sheedy Hall, which was our residence. But sight unseen, she just put her faith and trust in, in wow. God and me. Wow. <laughs> and we got on the road and went. So anyway. Uh, She's yeah, definitely she, an adventurer. That is for sure, She right? would be very supportive. Wow. But That's it would awesome. be something that I would, because as you well know, today, your family and, and your children get dragged through the mud. So yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, uh, that would take an awful lot of additional discussion and 
And then what office do I want? I always wanted to be like, I don't want to run for the local sheriff. Like I want to run for <laughs> the House of Representatives. I want to run for the Senate of the United States. Yes. Like, and I don't even want to be president of the United States. I want to be like a senator from North Carolina. Uh, oh, that would be amazing. Representative from my district. I, that, that's what I, I, I want to oh think. Like I've paid my dues already. Yes, amazing. <laughs> Put this political science degree into practice. Yes. Oh my God! And have wisdom come out of the Senate uh, again. Wow. You're too How fantastic. How fantastic would that be? You know, I I, I do want to speak to the inside of today. You know, for the in the the actual insight for today for January 6th is entitled Forgiveness Promises New Beginnings, which I think is really kind of exciting when you think about this point in time of history that we're at. I think, you know, looking at what's happened in the past and certainly what's happening internationally right now, you know, I think that we're all, you know, desperate for a little bit more optimism. Certainly, um, you know, recognizing, like you said, that you're an advocate with regard to military and and uh, and supporting our military and you know what they do to put their lives on the line for all of us. Because you know, watching some of those pictures of having 3,500 troops go over to the Middle East right now, my prayers are with them and their family. Right. The biggest sacrifice that you could ever give for your country is to lay down your life for your federal man. So, you know, I, I'm seeing that, but at this point in time in history, you know, the whole idea is how do we get past the stalemates and the, the ire and the hostility? You know, I think forgiveness certainly is a good place to start. And I quote um, Dag Hammerstold, who is a author, diplomat and economist. He said, forgiveness is the answer to the child's dream of a miracle by which what is broken is made whole again. What is soiled is made clean again. And I think that's a great quote to address what's happening in the world because I think that we are clearly broken. However, there is an opportunity right now to be made whole again if we're ready and willing to have the conversations to move us in that direction. And certainly forgiving past harm by virtue of the words we choose for each other or perhaps by how we treat each other. And that's why I think people are resonating with you so much is because the character you 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 have and emanates from you and your family and to see your family and what kind of you know level of you know stature you you raised your children in and your wife and, and the commitment that you both have together is amazing. So I I I wanna I wanna um, play on that and I think that you know I would love to know because maybe you are gonna run for office, how do we heal you know, at this point in time in, in history so that we can have a conversation that moves us forward. And I think speaking to a world history professor, I think this is a great place to start. Well, I, I, I love his quote and you had, had shared that with me um, earlier. Um, it, it, we are divided, we are broken. There's no question about it. But what, what I would say to that is while it may seem that we are at our worst, uh, because I'm, I'm sure for many it, it feels that way, uh, when you see families divided, when you see uh, friends uh, parting ways, mm -hmm. uh, I saw it in school um, where kids and families would divest themselves of each other because of the divisiveness that exists. And it's so, it's so sad. And I think ultimately 
for uh, a country such as ours, it, it, it is in part shameful. But I, I don't what I guess what I mean to say is while it seemingly is at its worst and for us, it might be in some cases. Uh, students of history know that the Civil War period yeah. was our greatest time of brokenness. Um, and I do want to preface any further comments uh, with regard to the quote and where we're going or where we hope we'll go. I don't want to make any political commentaries and I'm not looking to, I'm not campaigning now, folks. Um, I'm just speaking from the heart and, um, and what, what my sense is that's essential and necessary for us to forgive and to heal and to unite. So here are just some thoughts that I have. I think that there is an absolute need, a willingness to communicate um, and to engage in an honest, genuine dialogue about that which divides us so healing can occur. Yeah. Um, I feel very strongly about that. Without a willingness to listen and hear, not just listen, but hear each other and trust and speak truth to power, mm. even if the truth hurts, forgiveness and unity will be hard to secure and establish or reestablish. So if I, if I may, I've, I've thought about this, um, and I don't know whether, and again, I'm not looking to get political, and I don't know what the socioeconomic or governmental situation is in the country of South Africa. But what I do know is that they, for me, are in large part a successful example of forgiveness and healing because Nelson Mandela and South Africa engaged in the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, yeah. which was an attempt to heal the wounds of that dastardly apartheid system. And they afforded people in South Africa the opportunity to come forward, ask for forgiveness, um, admit their guilt, in asking for forgiveness, and for those who were victims hmm. to shed light on that victimization. And so I look at that and say, there's a reconciliation that's occurred because, now sometimes the people in positions of leadership have to take that initiative, whether it's parents and a family or it's teachers in schools or administrators with teachers or governments, they have to take the initiative to set the tone and the tenor that way. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's great. I, I think, too, we, we, the United States, are a, a unique example in several respects, if I may. Um, first of all, the cultural diversity, which is beautiful to, to our situation, that <clears throat> does create... Um, separateness in a way okay when I... we try to celebrate that uh cultural diversity um the demographic changes that we are currently undergoing um and experiencing are painful for some mm. and i would even add as well as the cultural diversity and the demographic changes that our own federalist system 
where there's a sharing of local, state, and federal authority creates a divisiveness mm. that is more challenging to overcome than in more unitary type systems. Um, however, I, I attribute a lot of this. You're a student of history and you are well aware of our European brothers and sisters and in Asia and in Africa. Those are cultures that are centuries longer than our own. Right. And so I see the United States as still a young and developing experiment. And mm -hmm. we're evolving and we're going through some growing pains. Mm -hmm. And these struggles are part of the maturation process. I mean, just think of individuals um, as we grow older and the struggles that we grapple with and the challenges, decisions we have to make. Yeah. And then we butt heads with one another or neighborhoods or, or states. And so I, I find that if there's open communication and there's encouragement to have honest, genuine dialogue, that we can get through the muck of the differences mm -hmm. and see what joins us. When I went to Russia many years ago, uh, it, I, I was a product of the, the Cold War and, and the propaganda here in the United States, and, and certainly they were subjected, the citizens there. But when I visited and stayed with my Russian family, it was amazing the similarities that we had. Right. Um, parents, we had the same concerns uh, locally, nationally, internationally. And we would shake our heads over dinner and over maybe a, a few libations and say, why? <laughs> this, this is so, it wasn't silly, it was serious, but we would say it's so silly if we could just engage in a, a dialogue and, and see that we have so much more in common than we do differences. And here, here's the key. We have got to get to work at this. Yeah. But the work has to be based and rooted in a faith that this can be done. And here's my hope. Today's students and young people yeah. are key. Like I would, things would come up in classes where uh, we might be talking about uh, racism or we might talk about immigration. Mm -hmm. And my my students would look at me like I had five heads. Like we're not, we're not racist. We, we don't feel that way. Interracial marriage is not a big deal. Why are you making a big deal out of this court case? And it's just a normal. And so I'm so hopeful that whether it's interracial marriage or it's now a watering down of the, uh, the dogma of doctrine of right. Catholics only marry Catholics and, and Americans can only American, marry Americans and da, 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 or U.S. citizens. I, I'm so hopeful that our young people have it more together yeah. than the adults who are screwing everything up right now, <laughs> much to the chagrin of you and me as we converse here, but, but I'm very, very hopeful. I, I'm not looking to rationalize any of this, but I do like you see a necessity of knowing the history that we are not at our worst point, yeah. but I'm also willing to admit that the reconstruction that we went through was an incomplete recon uh, reconstruction because it did not lead to ultimate reconciliation uh, between North and South and, and West and between black and white. Right. And so um, 
that has to occur. And I've, I've heard uh, individuals, oh, who's the great Reconstruction writer, American history writer, uh, Eric Foner, uh, write more recently that there may be a need for the United States of America to go through what would be classified as a second Reconstruction and a real one, where there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's reconciliation. So whether South Africa becomes the model or not, we, we need to just not ignore this, close our eyes to it, but become activists. And I see a lot of young students who are tired of the crap. Um, on the street, I'd use a different term or label, <laughs> so forgive me. But um, I'm hopeful. I really am. I think it's a part of, gosh, we're only 200 plus years old. We still haven't gotten this right. But well, I, I, I see why. Well, I, I do like what you said with regard to having a forum where we listen, hear, and trust that we're going to be respected. I think at that point is a definite starting point. I think Stephen Covey said, first seek to understand, then be understood. And I think that when you... the leader to do what we want them to do, then, uh, you know, we might be waiting a little longer than we need. I think that in a small ripple effect kind of way, we can start in our inter-community. I think at, at a community right. level. And I think what you're talking with regards to students as well, you know, starting at that level and, you know, like, you know, you have the Greta Thunbergs of the world and you have yes. the activists from Parkland <laughs> of the world and, and you know, they're starting a conversation and hopefully it's exhausting to maintain that level of activism, you know, but I think that maybe waking certain people up. And I think that's the whole idea of waking from the numbness, you know, that you can be a part of the solution and that there's many ways to do that without, you know, going out, you know, and doing something ra irrational, but, you know, start rational conversation, even amongst our families. Let's start there. You know, there's a lot of divisiveness in families nowadays, you know, and I, and I do love, and I wanted to tell you this because I wanted to point it out because, you know, after Hamilton, because I love theater and, and yeah, I was yeah. raised in a Broadway family <laughs> where we were yeah. constantly like more theater that that incites conversations like that where people get excited about learning more and understanding and i think that that's a definite way um where people can start to have these incredible conversations that you're absolutely i want to i want to make sure that i get to the the part of this cuz i want to help inspire other people to you know, start on this journey to you know start to understand and seek to be understood and and get into the conversation where we start to heal the brokenness. So, getting back to manifesting the life of our dreams and getting curious about that. And let me tell you, having conversations with people like you, these extraordinary people, that you can be the catalyst for so many people who you know didn't understand perhaps before, but maybe are more curious now to look into it. So now it's time for us to manifest. So I want you to share with us what is important to you right now in your life. Oh, wow. You get, you, you, you come up with some, <laughs> but you, you, you owed me. I, I, I readily admit, but I, I, I just want to say before responding that when I asked you to share some ideas or questions, so at least I wouldn't, ramble or go on these a million times they were absolutely 
the ability to sit and think, to critically examine self and then the world around you. I, so I, I, I greatly appreciate you, you, you served as my teacher therefore. Ah, wow. Oh, so, uh, ah, student becomes a teacher. I love that. I yes, think yes. I can die happy now. <laughs> <laughs> so those, those tough questions, I, 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 I sat and I said, Mike, she, Listen, you deserve that because <laughs> of all those painful days. Oh, yeah. Right, so what's important manifesting? What's important to me today? Um, of course, my family and my friends uh, remain the centerpiece um, uh, and, and my primary focus. Um, as my family expands, um, that much more important. But, but my friends, and so I'll take all the teasing and razzing about social media and being on Facebook that people want to uh, toss my way. But those friendships are so, especially when you reach a point where there are so many, I want to say hundreds, but maybe it's thousands, I, I'm not counting, students, colleagues, school administrators, um, students in particular who, who filled my life with great joy. Um, and so it's very important for me to reconnect, to have those connections. Um, and, and so each and every day, family, friends have to be the centerpiece and, and my primary focus. But I, I do have some other issues that are important to me. And again, uh, this is such a positive engagement that I don't want to come off sounding negative because, again, I think ultimately I'm optimistic that with proper attention and, and concern, heartfelt and genuine initiatives, we, we can grapple with these things and solve them. But um, I'm very concerned about the kind of world that your children mm. and my children and grandkids will inherit. Uh, there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, I'm concerned about the state of our educational system. I'm concerned about it in the lower levels, the middle school levels, high school, and even college. Um, I'm concerned on, let's say, the middle school, and I, I guess you, we can even go into the primary grades. I'm concerned about teaching to tests uh, as opposed to um, really addressing the joys of, of teaching the skills so that ultimately they become uh, critical thinkers. And as um, John Dewey at one point uh, suggested with regard to education, you have to prepare students for a democratic society. And that is you must prepare them to be citizens. So therefore, they have to be decision makers and they have to be thoughtful decision makers, um, regardless of what their opinions are. So I'm, I'm concerned about what's going on on those levels. Uh, with regard to, um, to, high, uh, to college, I'm concerned about um, the, the move, maybe this even uh, reaches into the high schools. I'm concerned about the, the cost of it. I'm concerned about its availability. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm also, I'm also concerned about all due respect to my natural science friends, but I'm very concerned about this strong initiative to STEM and in terms of that emphasis, there seemingly is a de-emphasis in the social sciences 
and the liberal arts. Yeah. And I'm a Vigerio disciple when it comes to the liberal arts. Yeah. So, and I think while critical thinking certainly can be done um, on a natural science side, I just find that it imp when you follow the liberal arts and you study the liberal arts, uh, it, it prepares you to be a thinker and to grapple with not formulas or this is the answer and that's not the right answer. Uh, let's go into a lab and put, but that we become more educated through the study of languages and cultures. And so I, I, I could go on and on about that. So I am concerned about that. Um, I'm concerned about the safety and security of students and school personnel uh, because of these mass shootings. And uh, I, I personally do not and professionally did not believe in arming teachers, um, but but something has to be done so mm -hmm. that when your kids and mine or my grandkids go to school, it's about the learning experience yeah, and it's no, about the joys of learning and security and safety. And uh, it, you're just taking away from teaching time. It's a necessity, but teaching time is lost when you constantly have to go through these yeah. procedures yeah. to mm -hmm. keep them safe. And in so doing, you're almost um, exacerbating the, the concerns and the problems. And so I, I'm concerned about that. The incredible burden of our volunteer force. I, when I look at the statistics and I see that 1%, less than 1% of the population serves in our military. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize uh, that. Many of them are doing multiple tours. There was a situation two, three years ago where there was one... Um, soldier who was going on his 11th tour of duty in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, my son served one tour of duty and that was wow. one too many. It was, it was enough. Um, so I'm concerned the sacrifices are incomprehensible on their part, but also their families. My yeah. goodness. Uh, the suicide rate among our returning vets, what wow. what's the, now 22 per day, uh, the VA treatment stateside is, is insufficient, inadequate, and it's not the people at the VA. We have a wonderful VA hospital right here in Durham, North Carolina. It's in, unbelievable the service they're providing, but nationally, it's subpar. It's underfunded. It's overwhelmed. Plight of our Native Americans, a concern to me because I spent time wow. out on a, a Lakota reservation, taught a course wow. at Lawrence Academy an elective on uh, the, the Plains Indians. And so that's a concern of mine, the homelessness, climate change. I mean, you name it. But again, while these are all, oh my gosh, the, the world is ending. No, 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 no. It just takes, um, these are not insurmountable. It just takes, they're correctable. It takes a galvanized nation and people who care and we can get it done. I, I, I you we know, I, I totally love you articulating so many of your concerns because I do believe these are the issues that we're grappling with today as a society and to turn away and not look at it and actually shine a light where this darkness exists would be completely um, uh, you know, completely irresponsible. And, and certainly what you're speaking to with regard to how our children's going to be, our children are going to experience this world. I mean, we can't ignore and put it and pass it off, you know, to the next generation. We need oh. to be a part of the solution, which I think is amazing that you're saying. And I love the fact 
that you're saying, I think in balance, like certainly with national sciences and liberal arts, there needs to be a balance. We've got to come at it at both angles because that's thinking outside the box and there's a collaboration rather than a competition there. So I definitely agree. Now I get to ask you the next question. What are the best tools or practices that you would use to start tackling these significant concerns that you have to manif start manifesting a more incredible journey and for our future? Well, I, first of all, I, th I think it can, in fact, start in the schools. And I think that what we what I have always loved to do, and it, it, it's sort of a, a, a a takeoff on your reference to Hamilton. Um, I always liked figures in history and even within class settings that created sort of that moral dilemma. Mm. Because I, th I think yeah. when, when you consider some of the concerns that we share, uh, that these can be considered ethical and or moral dilemmas. So how do I... I love that. Like, you know, a homeless person. All right, so I see a homeless person and I, I feel badly. And and then I'm, I'm asked, or someone would ask, well, how do you plan on solving that? And I think what we need to do is take that tangible situation that I see on the corners of various streets in Durham and elsewhere. Um, and I think we have to raise those issues up. Now, again, uh, a lot of folks are going to disagree to a moral question. Um, like I have to bear a moral response. If I see that homelessness or I see the treatment of a vet, if I see the fact that most of us are not asking to serve this country in any way, shape or form, Look at the benefits that I have reaped from this country because of what service personnel yeah, have yeah. done for me on my behalf. And mm -hmm. I have not lifted a finger. So I, I don't necessarily have to wear a uniform, um, but in some way, there needs to be a service that I can provide to countries. All right. So back to my point. I think if we can put these things on a moral... One of my favorite historical figures is Abraham Lincoln, and most folks know that I'm a Lincoln fanatic. Um, and so I see a turning point in that war when the Union or the North, and folks will disagree with me on this, that Lincoln made it a moral issue. Slavery was a moral issue. Secession for him was a violation of his oath, the Constitution's preamble, um, but it was a moral issue. Okay. And once you can raise these very tangible uh, things from superficial to moral and ethical questions. All right. Now to the point. I think you can do that in schools. So and through the educational process. Now, age appropriate, obviously. Um, so I would like to always um, when going through like Western Civ or European history or even American history or even government. Um, speak to events or characters who confronted these moral dilemmas and they had to make a choice. Yeah. They had challenges to their, I, 
where it's life and limb for many. Yeah, yeah no. So, I... so, you know, for example, if, if you're talking about European history and you're talking about the English Civil War and then ultimately you get to, let's say, the Reformation period, there are so many figures you can cite. So one of my, my favorite European historical figures is, is Sir Thomas More, St. Thomas More. Uh, yeah. Think, think about that. Loyalty to king. Are you going to swear allegiance to me via the yeah. act of supremacy? Or yeah. are you going to sustain your loyalty to this supreme being? And here's a man whose personal personal relationship with Henry and then professional relationship with him is at stake yeah. um, because of this dilemma that he has to confront. All right. So when that comes up, you see, there are learning opportunities that you can, yeah. activities huh. that you can do in class, simulations, role plays, uh, mock trials, debates, uh, you can actually have students play those characters or those roles. Um, and and there are it's so many. That, I mean, think oh. about it. In a school and, and setting. There, there's the content too. Yeah. You're learning the content, but you're also emphasizing skills yeah. along the way. Collaboration, yeah. speaking, yeah. thinking, yeah. preparing arguments, persuasive uh, speaking. Okay. Um, I, it's just... And so yeah, um, you're not done teaching Mike at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're thinking. I think that maybe that's a reprieve, but you're not done teaching. Because this kind of energy when it comes to talking about having history come alive so people actually understand that these are living figures still that people can like look at and actually, you know, the, the greatest the greatest movies, I always say, are those that leave the, when you leave the movie, the conversation starts, right? Oh, yes. The greatest classrooms, and when you leave, then the, the learning starts. So oh, even with regard to what you're saying right now, yes, I mean. Hey, listen, here's, here's another. It, it, so that would be like European. You could go to Michael Collins, who a member of the Irish Republican Army, not the more provisional recent one, but the one back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, and Michael was an advocate of obviously a free and democratic Republic of Ireland separated right. from England. And Michael Collins, with the blessing of the IRA, went to England, negotiated a treaty that wound up in the separation of North and, and South of the Republic and, and the part that belongs to England. Yeah. And you know, Michael Collins winds up, he, he's doing the best that he can, and he, he knows that his life is online. Well, he comes back and, and he's assassinated. Um, because of the decision that he made uh, in that that peace arrangement or that peace treaty. I mean, think about also something as simple as the Plessy case and Justice Harlan's dissent in that case in 1896 when Harlan, and you'll appreciate this, studying law, where Harlan is talking about yes. a colorblind society. Yes. He's oh, wow. spitting against the wind in 1896. There's no, it's a brilliant descent yeah. and one that serves as the basis and foundation for Brown in 54. Yeah. But so he's confronted with a dilemma of where's America going? Where do I see America going? My own heartfelt, sincere, genuine feelings about this issue and, and constitutionally what's right, what's wrong. Right. And he makes his decision a minority decision that is one of, I think, 
the, one of the greatest dissents I've, I've ever read and, and certainly shared with students. So what would you, in other words, what would you do if right. you were in that same position, putting, being empathetic, putting yourself in 1896? Don't talk to me about, oh, I would have made the same dissent in yeah. Well, baloney you would have. <laughs> and so you, you have to challenge them to yeah. think, and what's the, well, what's the moral issue in question here when you think about the separation of races in the United States. And, and so I, I always found that that was very helpful. And I think that gets students, kids, youngsters, thinking in the direction so that ultimately when they are decision makers, yeah. and they're decision makers earlier than ever now, uh, and with broken families, they, they have to make a lot of decisions in some cases on their own. Yeah. They're the adults in the family. Um, you, you want them being able to be reasonable in that decision-making process, right or wrong, that, that they've put the data together and they've, right. they've weighed these. I, I mean, even in history, you can take a man for all seasons. You can take historical novels yeah. to teach a class where now you see what George Washington and Franklin and Adams were experiencing as human beings. Now, we're in a different age, but we're confronting some of the same types of decisions. I mean, Washington was a traitor. Wow. He yeah. could have been executed yeah. for what he did. I learned a funny story. Um, <laughs> but today, and, uh, I think of it like that. Like, yeah. honestly, <laughs> it's just, like the, guy, the guy took a leap, man. Like, seriously. Oh, you're darn right you take a yeah. leap. Now, if, if, if we are asked or need to take a leap today, are we taking it? Or are we just sort of, uh, you know, going along with the well, crowd? Back to what you're saying about, you know, what kind of moral compass do you have? What kind of, like, and what kind of knowledge do you have at the time you're making the decision, the best right. decision that you know how to do? So, so those, those elements come into play. But certainly when you say about the educational system, give them the education, the best education that they can have to base upon these very right. significant decisions that they're going to be faced with in the future. And I, and I totally see, but it, it's, it's fascinating to me to think that, you know, you try to live in like a, a bubble, literally, like we can't okay. live in a bubble. There's no bubble. It's like, you know, history repeats itself. We all know that, you know, we still are tackling the same issues as we are just with different lenses at this point and different clothes. Maybe, maybe we're even reverting back to the fashions of before, you know, but the bottom line is, we're still facing the same issues. The human condition is not changed. It's, That's right. It's the same. The thing is, you know, where does the passion lie in your life to start looking at the issues outside the box rather than within and taking those leaps of faith with bravery, right? That's, yeah, you're not teaching. I, I, I can't. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know. And I can't wait to see what it looks like, because I think that you have so much to offer, you know, at the same time, I think that because you have a curious mind, which is what we're going to be like wrapping up with, that your dreams will realize accordingly, because when you start to get curious about the situation and the solutions around, right. you, you can see and attack the problems everything changes like everything yeah, no, changes. Right. and maybe that's the first move toward a more sane society where right. we accept diversities we find the union the unit the, uni the unity 
in those in those differences so that the conversation can continue because we don't want everyone to be cookie cutters how boring right. is that? and that never works that never no. works you, you can't you can't smash out the uniqueness of the human the human being it, it just no, can't absolutely. i think there are, there, there are I, universal there are universal rights and privileges that each and every one of us as human beings wow have. Yeah. Uh, and it, it has nothing, you, you know, uh, on a more personal level. Um, I, I was born and raised, baptized a Catholic. I married a Protestant. Um, we have a Jewish member of our family. As a matter of fact, I believe more than, than one. Um, we're not necessarily multiracial just yet, but it would not bother us in, in the least. And And the reason I point that out is simply because um, ultimately, when we sit down and break bread, uh, figuratively or literally, there's a commonness among us. There's a universality about what is right, what is wrong, yeah. and what we all deserve to have. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's dialogue there. It, it, it does not negatively impact, nor does it affect me to attend an Episcopal service or a Lutheran service or to go to a synagogue or to go to a mosque. As a matter of fact, um, having done all of those things or to an Orthodox church, having done all of those things gives me a greater appreciation and understanding of, um, and, yeah. and hopefully a, an opportunity to bridge some gaps. Uh, the greatest thing I ever did was go out on an Indian reservation and spend time there. I love it. I didn't even know you did that. You never told me that. That is amazing. Yes. Well, here's here's the thing. Also, um, when I was at Lawrence Academy, the curriculum had a program called Winterum. Um, Lawrence Academy was on trimesters. And so we would go through our first trimester, our second trimester, and would would uh, before we entered our third trimester, there was a two, maybe two and a half week period called Winterum. And it afforded each teacher the opportunity to develop wow. a program um, that would speak to uh, our own curiosity, our own desire for increased knowledge and wisdom. Uh, so we would create these courses. I love and it. the students then would ultimately choose from those courses. They'd enter a lottery if necessary and choose the courses that they, too, felt wow. would um, expand their wisdom, knowledge, and speak to their curiosity as well. Well, twice to Russia, twice to Ireland, Italy, and to the Indian wow. Reservation. And, and of course, I'm teaching these things, and to go, and everywhere we went, um, I insisted on homestays so that the students were immersed with the families. I love that. And, and as a matter of fact, one time we went to the Celtic part of Ireland, the western part, the extreme western part, out by the Dingle Peninsula. That was, that was, that was amazing. Um, and th then you're dealing with, like, it's a pub culture, so yeah. how do you grapple with that? And I, But it breaks barriers down. And yeah, no. so to a, sort you, of can't, you can't hate someone that you know. That's the difference. Like, literally, you, you cannot scapegoat someone who you've actually gone to their house and broken bread with, right? It's absolutely it's right. A total different experience when you see someone eye to eye rather yes. than hearing about what someone else tells you who they are. And I think that the most incredible thing that I think that anything a teacher, and especially you, specifically you, 
can do is to encourage the students to be on a mission to keep learning in life and never cease. And I think that once you maintain the mentality of like graduating to the next level and the next level of your education, your knowledge, your wisdom, and then paying it forward, like we said at the outset of the conversation, being in service to that higher good. I think that even uh, that's something that I think even Aristotle would agree with. That the goodness, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I was reading about that today. The goodness is what everyone strives for. And in ultimate, uh, the joy that what you had gained, standing Absolutely. up there, looking out at a group of people, feeling the accomplishment of your years, and knowing that your journey is not over, which is right. fantastic, which is going to bring me back to the beginning of our our, our conversation, which has been awesome. I could talk to you forever, you know, <laughs> where I asked you to set an intention for the conversation and match it to a number, choose a number. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I do, I do have an intention. Um, and my intention was to, as it always has been, um, to inspire mm. by what I say and what I do, at least endeavor to do that. That's the goal, the mission. Mm. Um, and to work hard. Um, and if through that hard work and the ability, hopefully, to inspire through the energy and enthusiasm that you bring some degree of happiness and joy to, to others. And I know that doesn't necessarily always work um, in a given classroom setting or family setting, <laughs> um, but, but that, that, that's, that's the mission. That's the intent. That's the goal that every day. Th th and that's Meg, why I love teaching so much um, because every day was a new day. The, the intention was always the same. And I, th I think for most students, their intention was the same as well. Um, and while you do have to be flexible with that intention, because as you well know, in a school setting, anything can develop and you do have to be somewhat flexible, but regardless, so game plans or lesson plans might be tossed out the window, but the bottom line is, regardless of what those cir circumstances bring, you're bringing energy, enthusiasm, effort. Right. You're bringing your passion to the endeavor. You're working hard. And, it, and it's not, hey, you work hard and I don't work hard. Like, I'm going to lead you to the fountain if I need to. And hopefully you'll voluntarily <laughs> take the drink. <laughs> and I don't have to sort of drown you to get you to drink. Um, if, you, if you're doing it right, then, then they're, they're, they're following. And, and maybe even at some point, you're leading from behind. Um, but you have, you, you always, and my goal was always work hard, bring the energy and enthusiasm, and your goal has to be to inspire. And if you can reach one or two, um, and hopefully it has a, a snowballing effect, you're reaching more. And over time, over that nine month period or 10 month period, you're reaching more and more. Um, the, the, more oftentimes than not, they're on board. And, uh, and, and so lesson plans can go out the window, but the, the, the goal, the intention was always the same. And, um, and that really did not 
change. Now, th the problem with that sometimes, and, and certainly I was probably guilty, accused of this, passionate people sometimes can come off um, overly demanding, too structured, Oh, there are all sorts of labels that have been applied through the years. <laughs> and I, I, you know what? You know what? I wear them, and 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 it's okay, and I understand. It. And I would always try to assess as, as I grew older and more confident, had my own children, and certainly grandkids have softened me a, a lot. As a matter of fact, this, this is funny. Uh, a couple of years ago, one of my last years of teaching, um, a, a couple. I I, I want to say I think sophomores. Um, they, they, at the end of class, and, and I, I was so fortunate to finish my career at Durham Academy. It reminded me so much of Trinity Prep. And you develop great relationships in a small class setting or a smaller school. And, uh, and, and so I, I'd like to think that I had great relationships with so many students. And so a couple of, of sophomores came up to me one time and they said, oh, my gosh, Mr. Spatola, I... You just and this is what they're doing. You're just so so enthusiastic. Do you ever take a rest and a breath? <laughs> That's what ultimately came out of one or both of their mouths, and I just laughed, I briefly laughed, and then serious. I said, "Heck, you should have seen me when I was 24." <laughs> so, so in other words. But sometimes that can be taken the wrong way, and you, but once you, I, I think you get to know me, <laughs> or you you stick out the course, you find that he's really a, a a sergeant at arms, a master sergeant at the beginning, but in the end, uh, you strip away a lot of those um, symbols or clothing, and you wind up seeing this real teddy bear <laughs> underneath. So. I do, I do. <laughs> coolest thing is that you like instill some sort of discipline to the to the, the, the to the trade of learning and then and then since they kind of you know enthusiasm is contagious then it becomes a, a dance rather than a battle <laughs> I think after yeah. a while. but what you said initially was like you want to inspire and that just means breathe life into people and that's what yeah. it does when you want to educate someone it really opens the light it opens the life and I think that's beautiful so they also have to they also have to see your humanity, too. Oh, well, yeah. So um, and, and probably as a younger teacher, I was less apt to share myself. Um, and and yeah. you grow older, more confident and experienced. And, you know, you can pick those times of those moments when it's appropriate or purposeful. Um, and uh, and it, it would get to a point where even with uh, basketball and or football players, um, if I was brought to tears, um, I was not going to mask or hide that I was emotionally brought to that to that level. Um, I think it was important for them to see that side or that humanity. Yeah, because it's not weakness whatsoever. It was um, at the moment in that time. And um, and it was purposeful. And so. A lot of times you're dealing with students' tragedy or an athlete's tragedy. Wow. And and, um, and you, you have to have that empathy and compassion. And if you truly love them, and there are very few, if any, I didn't love, yeah. they may not have thought I did. So <laughs> I, that, that's all part. That's all part of it. And, and then you have a captive audience and it's yeah. a lot easier to. So they could come in and tell me I hate history. OK, that's great. Guess what? <laughs> it, it, 
give me a few weeks, give me nine months. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. uh, but anyway, so. <laughs> so let me ask you, I'm curious, what was the number you picked along with your intention? I picked, um, let, let me see what number did I pick? I had a few that I wanted to pick. I picked number 24. Okay. So read number 24 for the manifesting audience tonight. Number 24. So this might be a little bit further ahead date wise, but that's okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. No, the number is according to what your intention was. So. Um, okay. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. All events are blessings given to us to learn from. And I thought that that that's on page 26 in the magical guide. Yeah. I thought that would be very apropos for what I was going to go through <laughs> and experience um, with great affection and gratitude. And there are no mistakes, no coincidences. All events are blessings. Awesome. given to us to learn from there you go i i i just i just love that yeah. um the the other one that i love too is the leap of faith oh yeah where, yeah i just and i have to tell you that that if folks don't have this you're nuts you've got to get your copy well, I appreciate the plug for sure. I, you know, I have to tell you, I, it's coming on 930. So we could talk for another hour, I think, but I just, I know. To say, you know, I, I definitely agree that every, we are where we're supposed to be in this life. And at this point in time, this conversation was definitely something that I needed to have. And actually, I'm sure many people probably benefited from immensely. I, I definitely want to thank you so much for giving me your time tonight. This was fantastic. Oh I always love a conversation that piques the curiosity and certainly this did not fail to, to, you know, basically provide that. So I want to thank you so much for your time tonight and your wife tell her as well. Thank you for letting me, uh, you tonight. Um, I do want to give people in the feed, um, you know, your information in case anyone wants to continue the conversation with you. Sure. Certainly, I love this idea of how you want to educate the future generation. So I, I encourage anyone who's in the educational field, if they're looking for someone who wants to completely enthuse and get people inspired, Mike Spatola is definitely one for the books. That is for sure. The legacy will continue. I know it will <laughs> In Congress, in the Senate, who knows? I know that you are not done yet. So thank you so much. What an incredible opportunity it is for me to have this truly blessing to have a conversation with you after so many years. You know, you taught me so much. And I, you know, am grateful to have you here to, you know, educate and teach as many people that I love out in the Facebook world, certainly. So as always, my my final inspirational word goes to you. And um, like I said, you can connect with Mike on Facebook. I'm going to put all the information in the feed afterwards and where you can contact him, whatever you're willing to allow. You just, you know, you tell me and I'll go ahead and I'll you know, yes, you, you, you are more than welcome to do all of that. Thank okay. you. I, so your final inspirational word, inspire us. Send us off into the world as carpe diem with okay. something to bite into, right? You got it. I, there, are, there are 
two things I would like to share in closing. Well, and, and first of all, thank you so much. This has oh, been, so this has been great. A, a blast. It's yes. been a blast. And to reconnect with you. And again, let me. <laughs> yes, I love go it. BC, go, <laughs> go BC Eagles. All right. Oh, I told you, had I, had I not left Massachusetts, I was going <laughs> to pursue uh, a Yeah. But anyway, yeah. there, there are two thoughts that I would like to share with you and with um, the viewers. Um, the, the first one is, uh, is one that I shared during that senior uh, presentation, that uh, senior dinner at Durham Academy uh, for the graduates, uh, the class of 2018. And um, it, 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 it goes like this. Um, in 2015, I believe, was the year uh, in a commencement address, um, Denzel Washington, who is like my favorite actor. Oh, yes, awesome. Told the graduates, and I quote, when you get it, and what he meant by get it was your goal, their goal. When you get it, reach back, mm. pull someone else up, each one, teach one. Ah, oh, I like Don't that. just aspire to make a living, aspire to make a difference. Oh, I love that. I, 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 as a matter of fact, when I, when I shared that, that night, it, it, I was on the verge of tears because it just, wow. it's so moving to hear him. Uh, he's just a, a, an incredible actor, but to be so genuine and sincere when he shared that. Um, and, and I, it, it's one of my favorite. And oftentimes I want to remind myself, it, it's not just about making a living. It, it's going out and <laughs> making a difference. Mm, I love that. In the lives of others and your own. And then there's one last closing that I would like to, um, to share, because I think we should never lose sight of this. None of us should lose sight of this. And so I'm going to directly quote it off, off of notes that I have here. Okay. Um, I'd like to quote Dr. Michael Nassaro, your dad. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> where your dad, and I know you've shared this before, your dad has said, don't count out the seemingly ordinary because that is where sparks of extraordinary begin. Therefore, I close this off and encourage everyone to seize the day, not only seize it, but seize it with gusto. I love it. Wow. You I love you, kid. Thank, so Thank you. Much. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's beautiful. <laughs> Wow. Well, I think that we definitely set out to do what we meant to do is start our January in an incredible way. Thank you again, Mike, for this. A better way to start. Amazing. I'd like you to all remember that you're here to be deliberate creators of your life. Let your soul be guided by your dreams and let's all together raise the positive vibration on this planet so that we can all live in bliss and joy and accomplishment and enjoy the magic and your miracles shine your beautiful light and until next time manifest the most beautiful light you can imagine carpe diem let's do this shall we love you meg thank you, you. thank you so good much night. Well. everybody good night bye-bye thank you bye-bye